0: I just want to shout out whoever the CIA has listening to this podcast right now to see if there's any hidden you, you in guys
1: are You guys are great. You're doing you great.
0: great. You're doing great. <laughs> Hang in there. Hi, and welcome to the
1: episode of Sonation. Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here at Sonation, we spend each month discussing film genres and the tropes within them. For August, we're going to be discussing the spy genre. Uh, we originally thought Christopher Nolan's Tenet would be released around this time. <laughs> uh, but due to the recent rise of COVID numbers, it was postponed, luckily. Uh, I think it's coming out in September. Depend, It might be coming out in August and internationally, I think, is what it is at the end of August.
0: And who knows when we'll ever see it.
1: Yeah, so to those people, to our listeners in the UK and Ireland and uh, Germany, you guys are great. You guys might enjoy Tenet before we do. Um, but even though that's happened, they postponed it, we're going to continue our month-long look into the spy genre. Now, I, I've i said before on the show, I can't remember if I said it in a previous episode, in terms of one of my biggest gaps in film is the James Bond franchise. And we'll talk about that later on in the month. Um, so I'm going to spend this month watching a lot of, of spy films and James Bond films. Um, so I'm not as well-versed in this genre, but Thomas is a very big fan big spy guy so thomas uh well
0: first off why did you become or what do you think of when you think of the spy genre um i mean it's kind of a mix i i it's it's a lot of different stuff my my parents were both really into spy literature when i was growing up they read all the robert ludlums and 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 you know all those all those like serial american spy novels
1: tom clancy like tom clancy jack Jack
0: ryan big fans of um gabriel alone are you familiar with that series at all it has Uh, not been adapted into film they've tried several times he's a um he's an israeli spy for the Mossad, but he his cover is a um an art restorer so they'll send him to like paris to like pretend like he's going to clean the mona lisa but he actually has this assassination great book series and they've Uh tried multiple times to adapt it but um unfortunately i think Lev Schreiber would have been the perfect uh, Gabriel on and he's getting a little too old for it. But but uh, but yeah, between that and then also when I was a kid, um, ABC started doing um, a James Bond movie every Sunday night and they ran Mm -hmm. through the entire series uh every every week and that was i I was probably like eight or nine and my parents were like all right he can watch them like it's on television they'll cut out some of the stuff and he's not gonna i didn't understand half the like all the i mean the whole all those movies are just double entendres just constantly but um but that that pretty much did it like i I was super into James Bond. I had uh I had like a coffee table book that had like every movie and a breakdown of all the weapons from every movie and like maps of like all the different locations in every movie. It was, it was wild. Uh and then when I got a little bit older I started reading those books and I mean not you know not necessarily like spy stuff too but like I read all the um all the Dirk Pitts, you know, um Sahara, the the hit the hit Matthew McConaughey film yeah, Sahara. Sahara yeah. I read all of those. He was a naval officer. It was it was kind of spy spy stuff. He usually got himself into spy type it's, stuff. It's
1: it's like a mixture of like an adventurer spy mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah.
0: Gotcha. I, I I read a lot of those growing up and watched a lot of uh, James Bond movies. Very into the Bourne series. Read a read a, read a decent amount of John Le Carre's work, but haven't seen a lot of his films okay i don't know he, he's not he's not my favorite we'll get into it a little bit more um but <laughs> oh okay but uh yeah is he so. is he
1: too is he too real for you thomas is he too it's real just, it's,
0: it's not that real it's just very dry like sometimes it just feels like it's purposefully dry some of the stuff has been adapted really well i did uh, i didn't read the source material for the night manager but i thought the night manager was extremely well done and um little drummer girl was another series maybe it just works better his stuff is so dense. I think maybe he just works better as a series.
1: And we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about that a little bit because I feel like now, in our modern era, if you're not like a Mission Impossible or Jason Bourne, you're a TV show mm-hmm. as, a, as, a spy, also, as a
0: spy genre. Mission Impossible reminds me. I was also huge as a child. I was huge into Get Smart. I had, um, I had, the, I had him on tape. I had him on DVDs. If anyone is unaware, Get Smart was Mel Brooks's uh parody of shows like man from uncle and a lot of the spy shows that were on at the time and it was just like full Mel Brooks satire on television and it was amazing
1: you mentioned a little bit but how important we have talked about this a little bit and uh like in our swashbuckling episode i believe and a couple other older episodes on the on genres of the spy genre started off it's a very like literature heavy genre if that mm-hmm. makes sense a lot of the the films or shows and especially especially early on were based on novels mm-hmm. so how important is like literature to this genre you think
0: yeah I, I mean i think it's one of those things you know the james bond novels really start as these like dime store paperback novels but it was and and, and john le Car had a kind of similar way in it was a lot of these guys who like had experienced this post-world war ii there were a lot of men who were sitting around and had all this clandestine uh espionage experience and then some of them were just like you know what i'm gonna turn this into a book and that that's really where a lot of the the franchise stuff started i mean james bond is you know one of the longest running film franchises probably the longest running film franchise ever i don't i mean i can't I think of a continuous franchise
2: that's it's been, been running since
0: longer. the 60s yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but um and so you know they had a lot of people had different ways of going about it but it between you, james bond books and and the film or and the especially the television shows that were taking off in america in the 50s and 60s it really mm-hmm. became this uh it was a it was a cool way to capture, you know, the the style of the times and everybody thought it was very suave and the Cold War, especially. I mean, all of the stuff when we see when we look back, all of the stuff at that time was all Cold War themed. And it was new it was a new atmosphere for everyone. They weren't used to the idea of a Cold War, of a a war fought entirely through espionage. So it became you know, when when everyone was obsessed with the Cold War, it became the the style of the time—you didn't really have like a like a war movie anymore. You had spy movies,
1: yeah. It, it, and that's also another thing too with this genre. When you're talking about the Cold War, is that this is a genre that was actually heavily affected by real events. Mm-hmm. Like the genre evolves with how the world or countries are in there, or what what they're currently going through. So mm-hmm. you're gonna see in the 40s 30s and '40s, like you're gonna see that like, kind of a post-world war one uh vibe coming because a lot in the 30s a lot of the movies that were spy movies but specifically coming from britain were like adaptations of novels that were coming out of world war one or post-world mm-hmm. war one life and then as you go into the 40s you're getting into these world war ii movies or post-world war ii movies of like with notorious as we're talking about today of like uh uh basically nazi like nazi runaways where they've gone mm-hmm. to south america and they're trying to and the and the americans and uh, are trying to uh americans and british trying to infiltrate these nazi refugees or whatever and yeah well and, and Brazil. each
0: each war you know if you're going uh world war one World war two into the cold war each war brought more and more emphasis on espionage you know after yeah. world war Two, you had the, during world war Two, you had all the code breakers and and it was a lot more focused on espionage than world war one was and so that's when you start seeing a lot more of that and then going into the cold war it was just like boom this is all this is a war being fought entirely by spies now
1: yeah and and the thing about spies like they've been around for god knows how long like i mean you can go and and research of like i mean revolutionary war spies oh yeah i mean roman roman spies
0: it's it's um it's a it's an it's it's one of the the oldest uh <laughs> professions <laughs> as, the, <laughs> as they might say if you go through like any war
1: it probably feels like there's definitely a spy somewhere a, a spy story in the mix i mean mm-hmm. in in the civil war you had people who were infiltrating the south either the pinkertons or whoever of really or a lot of people and you'd have like you would have like especially like either uh, runaways or, sl- or former slaves that became free. They became uh, spies. For- they would go back down south and become spies for the north to infiltrate the south. And they would do all these different type... Uh, uh, They'd it would, it would have like a, a couple that would go down there and they would have like a, uh, someone poses a servant, a black man that poses a servant and they would use... Uh, the couple would be a way to infiltrate the aristocrats and the uh, upper level people and then the servant was used to infiltrate the the slave quarters and what they were hearing about the war. And they would use all that information and and uh take it back to the north. But yeah, so like it's it's spies have been very big in history worldwide, and then not literature had a big effect on it, and that turned into movies. Um it's also, and we'll get into this now, but it's also a very British genre. Mm-hmm as well like a Except lot of for de-
0: one period especially i think that we'll, we'll get to it but there there, it, i think when you look at the genre as a whole there's this one period of time where it's just like boom it's america now and yeah it's, it's wild to look back at it and that, I, we'll we'll talk about it but it's it's a very interesting time if you're if you're just marathoning spy movies you just see it happen all of a sudden
1: yeah so the the first guy we're going to talk about with this genre. And I think he's actually probably the, we're not doing a director episode this month because he would be the director we'd have to pick mm-hmm. for this genre. And that's Alfred Hitchcock. I think, mm-hmm. I think I added
0: up. He did like eight spy movies of some, yeah. and, you,
1: and you don't think about that. A Hitchcock as a spy movie director.
0: Well, I think he, you know, we, we've talked about this before, but he, he was always uh, very open about how terrified he was of cops. Yeah. So I think that the, what, like what's even scarier than a cop is someone that you don't know is a cop essentially yeah. <laughs> like a, a law enforcement officer that you have no idea is one uh, yeah that's like the ultimate uh terror for him yeah so uh, that, that that leads into spies for sure
1: but yeah it starts off in i mean in the 1930s with uh, a couple of films that he makes like the 39 steps the a lot of the stuff that comes up like some of the stuff he made when he was in england before he came over to the states with 39 steps the man knew too much um the lady vanishes and then he comes over to the states and it it he continues that and he's kind of one of the big directors in america that's making spy themed movies and the first one arguably one of the greatest I mean these first two are arguably some of the greatest spy movies of all time if not the greatest spy movies of all time the first one is Notorious mm-hmm. which came out in 1946 and stars Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman so Thomas what
0: is Notorious about uh Notorious is about Cary Grant plays a a government agent who enlists Ingrid Bergman <laughs> whose father was a a Nazi scientist or, yeah. um and she is a strange he's he's dead right Yes. Well yeah. well,
1: at the beginning of the movie she, he is uh put on trial and arrest, so you don't see yeah. it. And then later on you find out that he's like he's died in prison. Yeah, but she she's
0: estranged from him, but um uh Cary Grant comes to her and, and Shanghai's are basically into becoming a spy for um to go down to South America and seduce one of her dad's old uh Nazi co-worker (laughs) yeah compatriots co-worker sounds like the wrong word for a nazi uh one of her dad's former compatriots uh who is still operating uh, as as many spy uh works uh allege you know an immense amount of nazis escaped to south america and continued to do work to promote the the third reich from from south america and so Ingrid Bergman who is not a spy whatsoever has no espionage experience is sent down with Cary Grant as her handler to infiltrate this man's household and seduce him and find out what he's up to and what his secret plan is.
1: Yeah, and and this film, I won't say it establishes all some of these tropes, but it's it's it handles a lot of them very well and the first big one that's it's really especially in these early days It it showcases the spy romance, Mm. which is a big part, weirdly, of the genre. Mm. Even when you look at, like, say, even the first born with born identity, there's usually some sort of romantic plot or subplot within the story. And basically, what happens in Notorious is it starts off where uh, Grant and Bergman are now going down to South America and they fall in love, but Grant kind of turns it and basically makes her think that he did it to get her to like become a spy for them. And that was all kind of a work thing. So she kind of, they end up kind of hating each other. It's not a romantic comedy in any way, but like you have this, like these tensions now of like, Oh, you love me, but it was false. And so now like we hate each other, but we're starting to work together in terms of the forties. I would argue this is like peak Hitchcock.
0: Yeah. I think he's, he's, Putting his two, he was an excellent action director, especially like spy director, and he was a a very obviously a very famous horror thriller director. And I think I think Notorious even more than North by Northwest, which we'll talk about next. I think Notorious blends the two better than North by Northwest does. I think North by Northwest is out and out a a spy adventure film, while Notorious works in a lot of his like thriller uh aspects you know it's it, it's got the it's got these weird little pieces of like rebecca in there and and oh uh, you know this uh, i'm trapped in this house with this man and i don't know what he knows about me i don't yeah. know what his intentions are how much of my secret has been spilled there's there's this creepy mom always hanging around
1: <laughs> yeah it's the beginning it's the beginning of the hitchcock mom issues yeah. Mm-hmm. uh yeah it's it also yeah it, it kind of has that th- or it happens at one point where it's that you don't know also starts claude Rains, who is the si- who is the person that she is uh mm-hmm. infiltrate uh, infiltrating his man, his
0: his home claude raines i love he's, he was somebody who could play like so warm and friendly and likable yeah but then just be so scary and intimidating I, he's he's got a lot of christoph waltz has a lot of claude raines energy yeah you know, I, I could i would cast Christoph waltz in this role in a second if you were remaking this movie no yeah i would i
1: could see that i would i would th- that would work and he would actually have a german accent uh, claude Rains has an english accent apparently <laughs> they asked him do you want to keep your english accent or do you want to have a a, a german accent he goes, i'll just keep my english accent and so it's weird but yeah it's and also kind of it's he has this what Hitchcock does, which is what he's famous for is his MacGuffins. Mm-hmm. And I think with a lot of these spy movies, at least the ones I've been rewatching, there's always kind of a MacGuffin oh, that, absolutely. Pu- th- that pushes the plot along. That is when you break it down is so uninteresting.
0: Yeah. James Bond never gets the like whatever he's been sent to retrieve. He never yeah. ends up with it. Period. That's it's just a reason to send him in. Well, well, it's like I don't
1: think you find out till later in the movie of like what they're actually trying to get from Claude Rains.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think it's like kind of these, like microfilm is North by Northwest. Yeah uh this one i can't remember what it was it was so well, very i mean unclear. the big thing is the key. Like atomic bomb yeah the key is what they're like they're, the key to the
0: cellar is
1: the key is to the cellar but it's like it's like atomic bomb plans or like new it's like because because again it's uranium it's uranium or whatever mm-hmm. like because they because basically what they believe is that again like you said they have this not these this, these nazis that have escaped to south america and they're still working on projects to like take over again yeah, I think it's a masterful film in terms of direction. Some of his best shots in his movies ever and possibly some of the best shots of this era of filmmaking of like that long crane shot that turns into a zoom that starts from like the second floor mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and go. it's in the middle of a party scene and ends up, ends up on a
0: close-up of, of Bergman's hand when she's holding the key. That party scene just in general is incredible because he oh, establishes... Yeah the entire house as a look, like every, you know, everything that's happening in the whole house and his sense of space is perfect. in it. his sense of timing is perfect. They keep cutting back to the bartender and you can see how much, how the champagne running out. Yeah. And so the timing is just like, instead of like a ticking clock, you've just got empty bottles of champagne. It's it, the whole sequence is incredible.
1: Yeah. And it's just building towards, Oh, they're downstairs in the cellar they're aware, oh, what if we run out of, of, of champagne? They're going to come down here and they're going to find us like rummaging through mm-hmm. the cellar for no reason. And it, that sequence also is really great at showcasing the chemistry, the relationship with the characters, with the chemistry between Grant and
3: Bergman in this movie. Well, then the wine cellar is the obvious place to look. Alex has the key to that. Then get it from it. Get it, yes. How? Don't you live near him? What do I look for if I get the key? Well, you look for a bottle of wine, like the one they rattled the fellow at dinner that night. All the bottles look alike to me. I'm no
2: mastermind.
3: You're doing all right.
2: It's no fun then.
3: Too late for that now, isn't it? Look, uh. Why don't you persuade your husband to throw a large shindig so that he can introduce his bride to real society, say, sometime next week? Why? Consider me invited, and I'll try and find out about that wine cellar business. Well, I don't think my husband is interested in entertaining just yet. The honeymoon isn't over, huh? Don't underestimate your charms, Mrs. Sebastian. You can handle it. I don't think it's going to be so easy about you. He thinks you're in love with me. Well, then tell him you thought if you invited me to the house... and I saw how happily married you were... then the uh, horrid passion I have for you might be torn out of me.
4: That sounds very logical.
3: Good. Next week, then, and get the key. I have to fly up to Berlin, but I'll be back in time. All right. I'll be looking forward to seeing you. It's always a pleasure meeting you, madame.
1: And yeah, they, their relationship is great. It's a wonderful movie. I don't know if it's streaming right now. Why would it be? Because it's <laughs> good. But it, it, I watched the uh, the Criterion Blu-ray. It's a great Criterion uh, edition. They have a lot of great special features on it, kind of discussing um, a lot of the scenes in the movie. One of the best scene in the movie, or one of the best scenes in the movie, and was shown to me a lot when we were in film school, was the staircase scene. When mm-hmm. they're walking down, I, we won't spoil what's happening, but at the, towards the end, there's the climaxes on a stairwell, and the way Hitchcock cuts it is amazing because it's an action scene, but they're just walking down.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so thrilling, but there's really yeah. not much happening.
1: Yeah, but yeah, it, this 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 film establishes the the romance aspect, and and you're you're seeing the World War Two aspect of the post World War Two war. But the big standout besides Hitchcock's direction is the chemistry between Grant and Bergman. And then speaking of Cary Grant and Alfred Hitchcock, we move to North by Northwest. And North by Northwest, Hitchcock has played with this a lot in the in his Elizabeth the Spy genre, like with 39 steps. But you have the uh the trope of the wrong man. And in mm-hmm. North by Northwest, Cary Grant is a advertising i think is advertising executive or something Mm -hmm. and it's it's not fully i think he he works in advertising and uh through a couple of just like uh errors pure pure wrong
0: place wrong time
1: yeah it's just that he's so they call for someone's name at a at a at like a club and grant raises his hand to get the attention of the boy who's calling it not to say he's that person but to ask to like send a message to someone and the people who are watching believe he is this secret agent. And one thing North by Northwest does really well, and it's kind of done a little bit notorious in a few other films is a person who is not a spy ends up becoming a spy Mm -hmm. with notorious as Bergman where she is, she chooses to become a spy. It's not by happenstance and by accident. She just, she chooses to do it. With Grant, it's just in, in North by Northwest, it's a complete accident that he becomes a spy, and he chooses either to, to clear his net na- by clearing his name. He has to become a spy. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on North by Northwest? I love, it.
0: I love it. It's, a, it's, it's a just an awesome action adventure movie, yeah. And and it's it's, I mean, Grant's perfect in it, and it's yeah. fun because you know, especially post Notorious. You expect Cary Grant to be the guy who knows what's going on. Yeah, you know he he is as close to the American version of James Bond as you can get in Notorious, yeah. and here he is not. Um, it, the 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 first scene in the movie builds him up to be like everything that a spy is not. He's not dressed well. He doesn't have a good suit. He works in advertising. He's r- weirdly close with his mom yep, again. <laughs> another, another, mother, another mother thing. Yeah, and and he's he's not he's he's not good under pressure he's not um physically fit any of that yeah and and you see him throughout the the movie you see him evolve into this spy by the end by the end he is his character from notorious yeah um and so it's a it's a really cool like character development kind of movie as well just to see how much he he changes through this ordeal and learns to stand up for himself. Cause he's not, I think kind of his whole thing is at the beginning, we see his mom push him around. We see him get like pushed around in the restaurant. Like he's, he's someone who doesn't stand up for himself. And by the end, he's, he's a super spy, but it, but it, it it's also a really great, he, he, you know, he brought in pieces of this and notorious. He brought, Hitchcock brought in hints of this and notorious, but I think it's one of the the first big American spy movies to be like, Hey, Maybe like the CIA, the Secret Service, like maybe, maybe they don't know it. Maybe they don't get everything yeah. right. <laughs> um, kind of the what what you come to learn, without without giving too much away, <laughs> is is what you come to learn is Cary Grant has been caught up in this very convoluted and and kind of dumb CIA plot plot yeah and and he when he comes to them and they're like he's like people are trying to kill me because of what you did and they're like oh sorry
1: yeah <laughs> well like there's a scene early on where they just kind of they kind of find out about him. they're like yeah we should just uh let's just let's see how this plays out yeah like what, what if he dies uh, <laughs> no big deal like he's not one of our guys mm-hmm. but he could help us and it's yeah that is very apparent in this movie uh would you uh, would you say because this has been kind of said a a few times by a few people i think even like made a reference to in the the hitchcock uh movie with anthony hopkins do you think this is a precursor to the bond franchise
0: yeah i mean i think it it does have some of that that idea of the the spy being something because by the end I, i i there's an um there's a a great essay written about this movie called the man in the gray flannel suit that just focuses on his costumes throughout the movie and how the change in his costumes is supposed to show him growing as a, as a spy and as a man and all this stuff. And, and I do think this is, this was an early movie to put the, so much emphasis on like fashion and, and like the kind of like spy film fatale, which is very different from like a, a, a noir film fatale. Yeah. Um, yeah, That's and it's true, yeah. it's also just I think it Hitchcock really brings in the idea of like these big set pieces here. Yeah. Um, and I think that definitely paved the way. I, I I would be surprised if early directors of the first couple James Bond franchises didn't look to yeah you know the the, the obviously now famous uh, crop duster scene yeah uh, the the uh mount rushmore scene uh there's there's a lot of these huge incredible action set pieces yeah and i i definitely think that that not only for james bond but for modern blockbusters i think this this movie is has become a blueprint for modern blockbusters you know exactly where you need to put a big set piece where you need to put a chase where you need to put a, a, a twist a murder uh i think this is This has become one of the main blueprints for a a spy movie.
1: It's interesting looking comparing North by Northwest to Notorious. It's a what's the gap? It's about it's a it's about thirteen year gap. But Notorious is such a it's a movie that's so contained because Hitchcock Hitchcock shot everything on stages for Notorious. Mm -hmm. He only shot one scene, basically outside. And then you look th- North by Northwest feels like the exact opposite where everything feels like it's in real locations, specifically like the crop dusting scene. It mm-hmm. feels like, I mean, this, I mean, It is. it was shot in a real field, but like he, he's getting, he's using the landscape of cinema, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. of like the screen where everything's becoming bigger. It's these huge wide shots. Like when you're out in the field to like establish this huge kind of like, the world that's like taking grant over in a way and i think that comes it's not international glamour which is what becomes a big part of the spy genre but it is kind of making it's taking the idea of like making it bigger
0: yeah which becomes very very like specific locations you go from new york to this crop field in the middle of nowhere to mount rushmore which is is definitely a big james bond thing like look where we can travel look at all these locations
1: and that and yeah and and i didn't even go they go to chicago they don't show chicago but like they're in chicago but yeah, it has this the, idea the bus of like
0: stop right yeah.
1: yeah of like traveling from place to place which is a little bit notorious because the notorious they start off in miami and then go down to south america um uh, being notorious uh, north by northwest i think it's hitchcock's most fun movie mm-hmm. like to catch a thief is up there as well but i don't think it's as good you don't as think north family by plot is you don't think family plot is his most fun movie I've never seen (laughs) a family.
0: Actually. Sadly. What's that one? He Uh, did the trouble with, I can't remember. Trouble with Harry. Trouble with Harry. Trouble with Harry. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this one, this one is, you know, a lot, so much of his stuff was so, even the stuff that doesn't is, isn't psycho and isn't like dark on the surface. So much of his stuff was dark just below the surface. And this is a movie. And I mean, there's like, can I trust the government kind of themes underneath it? But I think this is a movie where he set out to say, I want to make an, a, a, an action romp. And, and that's what this is.
3: Don't you think it's time we were introduced? I'm Eve
4: Kendall. I'm 26 and unmarried. Now you know everything.
3: Tell me, what do you do besides lure men to their doom on the 20th Century Limited?
4: I'm an industrial designer.
3: Jack Phillips, Western sales manager for Kingby Electronics.
4: No, you're not. You're Roger Thornhill of Madison Avenue. And you're wanted for murder on every front page in America. And don't be so modest. Oops. Oh, don't worry. I won't say a word. How come? I told you. It's a nice face.
3: Is that the only reason?
4: It's going to be a long night. True. And I don't particularly like the book I've started.
3: Ah, You know what I mean? Oh, let me think. Yes, I know exactly what you mean.
1: Moving on from North by Northwest, we're not going to talk about James Bond really in this episode. We'll probably re- we've referenced it already, but that'll be at the end of the month. We're going to talk more in depth with the franchise. But North by Northwest happens, and then James Bond happens, and then it feels like all the movies... Outside of James Bond, the the all the spy movies outside of James Bond are either trying to be James Bond or trying to be the opposite of James Bond, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, come the 60s. So, like, you're getting, like, Charade is kind of a spy movie a little bit as well with Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn. Uh, and then you get the the Ipcris file with Michael Caine, which is kind of trying to be uh a, a anti-Bond film. And then you get the spy who came in from the cold which is based on a, a John, John Le, Car, Le Carr, novel. Uh, weirdly, I hadn't noticed till today. He wrote this while he was still, a while he was still working for like MI6. <laughs>
0: that seems illegal.
1: So what happened? That's because his <laughs> name is, his, his name his name is not John Le Carre, mm-hmm. uh Le It's, it's uh, I think David Cron, Cronwell or Cronwell. And he wrote a couple books and the spy who came from the cold is one of them and that's why he has the pen name of John le Carré because uh foreign officers could not publish anything in their own names mm-hmm. um so that's what happened and then I, so this movie comes out i think he wrote the book let me get when he wrote the book i think the book he wrote he wrote the book in like 63 i believe and the movie came out in 65 and I think he was out of this out of MI6 by uh, 60, 64, 65. Yeah, basically, he was an intelligence officer mm-hmm. uh, in England. And he was like, let me like, as you said earlier on, let me write some books about my experience being in uh, British intelligence. And the Spy Who came from the cold is about a British agent who poses as a, a defector to East Germany and is basically trying to infiltrate um, East Germany intelligence. And he's trying to kind of provide information or get information from them. So he tries to like go up through the ranks by claiming he's a defector from England and a, and a former agent. And it's a very, I mean, it's in the kind of name, The Spy Who Came From the Cold. It's a very cold movie <laughs> and kind of very cynical and just just the complete opposite of bond but it's a very i think a perfect example of a cold war spy movie
0: yeah i i think i think Lecar, he came up after ian fleming who was also a naval mm-hmm. intelligence officer and yeah. and had that background and and fleming feels like someone who lived the life and is like i know the details of it but i want to make it sexy you know fun. yeah fun. yeah you know if, if, if it, 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 it it's almost like if you had two accountants and one accountant was like you know what i want to write a series about being an accountant but i want to make it sexy and, and then, that's when you get ben affleck the accountants <laughs> and then that becomes like a huge novel and then you've got john Lacari, i think kind of sitting there like reading these novels and being like that's not what my life is like <laughs> yeah do you want to really know what my life is like here you go and just drops all these other books which are i mean it's still very like you know, his stories are still very intricate and exciting and 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 full of of twists and turns but yeah. so much of, you know the the and I don't want to go too much into James Bond now but like the the James Bond formula is he comes into the office they say you're going to to Venice and then he goes to Venice yeah, yeah. And that's it and and john Lacari takes place in the entire time you're like in the office like you come into the office and they say i think you're a mole and you say i think you're a mole and then they say i think my secretary is a mole and then you all stay in the same room and figure it out
1: (laughs) it's it's like a murder
0: mystery but spies yeah it's very agatha christie (laughs) um yeah it's 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 a lot more if if fleming is known for being like the british spy author because it's so like suave yeah. Lakari is the British spy officer because, like you said, it's so cold and removed, yeah. and there's like no emotion. And he's he's not worried about set pieces, or if you think that what he's writing is exciting. He just wants it to be mentally challenging and show you yeah. like being being a spy, you never know where you stand, you never know where anyone else stands. It's just constantly your mind is scrambled. And that's what's like very prominent in the spy who came in from the
1: cold, the movie. Uh Richard Burton's amazing, but it's it's very much just like the internal struggle. Of being a spy Mm -hmm. and like it starts off as he's like kind of because you kind of don't know if he's if he's a defector if he's actually like if he's a defector if he's fake but he's just like he's drunk he's become an alcoholic and it's just like completely gone under and just is not leaving this world of the cold war but it it's it's the early beginnings of of uh uh, carrie carrie's uh george smiley series which becomes later on with Tinker, Tailor Soldier, Spy, and Mm -hmm. Smiley's people. And it's, yeah, as you're saying, it's very much in rooms. There are some, not really action pieces, but some definitely uh, tension-filled sequences in The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what is present in a lot of John le Carre's adaptations. Like Tinker, Tailor Soldier, Spy, as you're saying, as we'll talk about a little bit later, it's pretty much all in rooms, but it's just finding out who's the mole, who is uh betraying us and that's a big part that again comes up with these movies like le carré's is the idea of betrayal within the spy genre mm-hmm. it's like i feel like every spy movie you have there's going to be some betrayal in some way it's got
0: to be a double agent
1: yeah there's a double agent uh someone is is giving information to someone i was reading uh one of the articles we, i read before uh prepping for this they talked to a real, a former CIA officer, Robert Bayer, who's like a consultant on the new Jack Ryan show. He said, uh, when they asked about double agents, he goes, they're everywhere. There's mm-hmm. a pathology in the intelligence community of betrayal. It runs the psyche of people like this that join intelligence. Everything you do is based around the idea that your colleague was going to betray what you're going to do. So it's like, it's almost like you, you it's another thing that runs throughout this, this genre is the idea of trust. And who can you trust, and who can't you trust? And a lot of times in spy films, it's about not trusting anyone. Mm-hmm. And usually, when you trust someone, that's what's kind of your downfall. Yeah. And these in these darker spy movies, which I think comes into play with Spy Who Came in from the Cold. And it's again very British movie, <laughs> um, beautifully shot. Check it out. Also a great Criterion Blu-ray. I think it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Canopy in a couple places so go find it.
3: Would you like a drink? No wait. Can you still do it, mm, I wonder whether you're tired, burnt out. Well, that's phenomenon we understand here. It's like metal fatigue. We have to live without sympathy, don't we? We can't do that forever. One can't stay out of doors all the time. One needs to come in in for the cold I'm an operator control just an operator there's a vacancy in banking section which might suit
4: you. sorry I'm an operational man I take my pension I don't want a desk job
3: you don't know what's on the desk paper I want you to uh, to stay out in the cold a little longer
1: and then we move on to the more Americanized version of the spy movie as we get into the 70s so what's happening in the world at that point time thomas what's happening in the late 60s and early 70s in america
0: well we're still in the cold war still a cold war uh, we're also have fought in the korean war have fought in the vietnam war and there's a yep. little thing called watergate that just happened yeah so we're not happy with the government really Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so what's happening and not just in spy movies But just in a lot of films, especially like anything dealing with crime or either cops or anything with an authority or an establishment is this idea of, are they really who they say they are? And the movie we picked to kind of talk about that to kind of showcase this is Three Days of the Condor. And Three Days of the Condor is about a young uh, or a, a young researcher I I never seen this movie before. This episode and it's such a unique uh, character. But Robert Redford plays a bookish CIA researcher. He's a nerd. He's Robert a nerd. Redford is a nerd. Robert, Robert Redford is a nerd. But he's just like he's just like reading spy novels. And the whole thing he's having to do is like find out like are th- are there hidden hidden meanings that are being passed through books and through magazines or are there things that he could they could find and use in the CIA? Like it's just him and a bunch of like other nerds at this uh, building in New York
0: and uh, I just want just... to say real quick, I just want to shout out whoever the CIA has listening to this podcast right now to see if there's any, hidden meetings you, you in guys here. are, you guys you, are
1: great. You guys you're, are you're great. doing
0: great. <laughs> you're doing great. Hang in there.
1: You know what? Just, just don't end. Well, you can end up like Redford, but not like everyone else in the movie. Uh, <laughs> so basically Redford uh, is this analyst and he goes off one day He's, he's the smartest of the group. And like uh, you see kind of early on they're like trying to figure out oh what how are this guy how is this guy doing? And he goes, "Oh, they, they, he uses like ice to break into the locks." we like, "How do you know?" He goes, "Uh Dick Tracy did that." Like he like, he knows like he's an encyclopedia of how to do certain tricks because he's read so many spy novels and stories. And what happens is he ends up kind of becoming like a spy. And in mm-hmm. this kind of like kind of Kerry Grant esque or Ingrid Bergman esque notorious where the, the uh, department he's at, he goes out one day for lunch unknowingly from the people that are watching. And these people, these, these kind of assassins come in and kill everyone off. And now Redford is left like, oh man, I'm the only one here. And then as he begins to find out, he goes, oh, wait, who can I trust? Like, can I trust the CIA? Uh, The people I worked for or did they pull out they did they uh, put out this hit on people like Mm -hmm. what is going on and and it's this questioning of the establishment and he's beginning to find out that the people that he thought he was working for the good guys are not really that good and that's what's happening this post Watergate world is that by the end of a lot of these films in the 70s there really is no clear cut answer on anything is that everyone's kind of like it's i mean it's very much like take all the president's men where it's basically it's the whole thing where like redford and hoffman can't even fathom that uh the president would be involved in some sort of scandal like the watergate scandal Mm -hmm. they always think it's someone below them it doesn't go up that high and three days the condor kind of takes that and puts it in this spy genre i like this movie a lot um Mm -hmm. It's based on a book called Six Days of the Condor. They had to shorten it, oh, you know, for the movie. Cut it in half. Had to cut it in half. Uh, yeah. Directed by Sidney Pollack, uh, stars fade Dunaway as well. Yeah, go check it out. It's also streaming, I think, on it's streaming on Amazon Prime as well. But yeah, in the 70s, you're having movies like this, or Parallax View, or All the President's Men, or Night Moves. Not these aren't really all spy movies, but this idea of like, no real answers and also this idea of paranoia which is i think becomes prominent in the american spy movies
0: of the 70s would you say or the american movies of the 70s yeah i mean it's it's interesting well and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about james bond but you know if if james bond and, and especially just british spy fiction is the is the the boilerplate for it i think where american spy fiction really comes in is is the fact that um for pretty much the entirety of like the spy genre in England, there's been one queen yeah. and you know, <laughs> God save the queen. They they all love her. So, so when you bring in this idea that you're a spy, your whole life is to be a spy, but every four years, the agenda of your agency is just going to completely change. It's it's, it does definitely introduces something new to the genre. And, and yeah. I think that's the seventies is really when America came into its own as saying like because i mean north by northwest there's there's like an entity that is like the cia i don't think they even call them the cia and that yeah but yeah. but it, it never goes any higher than that and um and i think especially in the 70s is when you start introducing in america the like you know this i'm i'm a i'm a weapon being controlled by people who are by politicians yeah and 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 people are living and dying at the whim of 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 the people at the top yeah um so yeah it's a little, little more paranoia for sure in, in this one that you know before it was always like who can i trust can i trust this person i just met um yeah. but the question becomes can i trust everyone who's telling me what to do right now <laughs> I, everyone everyone
1: i've been serving can i trust them and that's like it's kind of established early on when 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 redford like calls up to inform them of what's happening and he's just like who are they like, talking to like one of the heads or one of the heads of his department? Like, who are you? Oh, I'm this person. How I like, prove it. And it's this idea of like, I'm on the phone with you talking and you're my superior who I've never met. And I don't know if you're really who you say you are. And he goes, and I think he says at one point, he's like, I'm using a code name, but you're not, why am I using a code name?
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: this idea that again, you're talking about this kind of politician's aspect of it where what if hear me out, what if like you would just kill people in this, in this era just to cover your own tracks.
0: And that's what's <laughs>
1: kind of happening. Well, and you're, you're also in starting to get, you know,
0: in the seventies, you're also starting to get the CIA. I think more people are aware of the CIA. Yes. Yes. than, than ever before as well. And the, you know, it's not that it hasn't been around that, that long. It's a fairly new entity. Um, but especially after the Bay of pigs, yeah. um, everybody's like, Oh, I know the CIA, they're screw ups. Like, yeah, <laughs> Uh, And and, then, you know, people are starting to they're they're starting to be rumors circulating, that maybe they killed JFK. Yeah, it's really not a a, a trusted organization as much as as someone in England might point to MI6 and be like, oh, yeah, those guys got us through World War Two because CIA wasn't even formed yet in in, in World War Two.
4: Hello, Condor. Who is this? Deputy Director Higgins, New York Center. I'm controlling now, Condor. Where are you? How come I need a code name and you don't? Where are you, Turner? Here. You all right? Are you insane? Everybody's dead. Take it easy. Just take it easy and we'll bring you home. Here's how we'll do it. Do you know the Insonia Hotel? Broadway and uh, 71st. Broadway and 73rd. There's an alley behind the hotel. One hour from now at exactly 1530, I want you to enter that alley from the 73rd street side. Will you be there? The head of your department just came here from D.C. He's going to bring you home. I've never met him. Don't worry. I'm studying your photos now. Turner. Turner. I don't know you either. We'll meet. He'll be carrying a Wall Street Journal. There were two guys at my house. What were you doing there? You were told not to go there. I was homesick. Who were they? They were ours. What were they doing in my house? I'm not going in any alley with you or anybody and fuck the Wall Street Journal. Turner, it's been a long, bad day. You've been under... You're damn right I've been under. All right, Turner. We'll bring along a familiar face, somebody you know. Who's left? Got a friend in statistics named Sam Barber. <laughs> you guys, are something. What do you do? <laughs> yes, Sam will do. All right, Turner. Stay well for 60 minutes and you're home. Can I ask a question? Sure. What is happening? I'll talk to you in 60 minutes.
1: Not a lot really happens in the 80s that much. I think you, you, what happens, you start to get kind of, well, stuff happens in the world in the 80s, but in terms of like movies, I, you do kind of, you're getting the James Bond movies. I think you're getting kind of a few parodies of the genre, like Spies Like the, Us or Top Secret. What really
0: happens is, is action movies in the 80s go the way of Stallone and Schwarzenegger yeah um and what you see and we'll we'll, we'll definitely t- touch on this in the james bond episode is is the james bond genre tries to replicate that in the 80s and it yeah. doesn't go super well but um but i mean that that was that was the zeitgeist these like big guys and and i mean you um uh, rambo you can't really point to as like a spy i mean there, yeah, yeah. you had i guess true lies coming in and, and and stuff like that but it's it's much less you know whereas. Uh John Licario was like a scalpel, uh, you know, in comes Stallone and Schwarzenegger with like bazookas. And it's just like <laughs> not so much concerned with like cover identities as much as just kind of shooting and running and big, big, big set pieces. Yeah. And so I definitely think the the uh clandestine espionage aspect of it is is very much lost on people in the 80s. There's not a lot of subtlety in the eighties, I'm sorry. No.
1: Well, then, yeah, exactly. And then you get to, like, you, you still have the carry, like, the, the holdovers of they bring in Connery for The Hunt for Red October. And mm. you're you kind of, be, you begin to see more of the, it's still the novel, like, being inspired by literature, but it's being inspired by the spy action film. So you're yeah. seeing these Jack Ryans, you're seeing, or it's not even inspired by uh, literature, but A Mission Impossible, where mm. it's becoming more of an action film than a spy film
0: yeah yeah i mean i i think it the movies haven't endured as well i I read all the i read all the jack ryan's and used to love the jack ryan movies as well and they i don't think they've endured as as much in pop culture as as mission possible but that that a lot of the the 80s and 90s some of the biggest spy movies were jack ryan movies between alec baldwin and and harrison ford that that was where a lot of it pointed to and you know he is jack ryan is another person like the spy or like three days of the condor, this idea of like someone who, who has the smarts, but you got to teach him the, the physical yeah. he's, he's not a, he's not going to run out and start shooting people until he's put in a situation where he has to.
1: Yeah. That's another big thing that happens in this genre is that I'm an analyst. How could I be a spy? Like, it's very much like they all like, Oh, I have to learn how to like be a, like a legit well, does that, I mean,
0: it, it kind of goes back to Hitchcock, you know, from notorious to even, north by northwest this idea that i'm that is like i'm not cut out for this and yeah. it's interesting to hold up to james bond where you just have this constant of this is all i know how to do i'm a i'm licensed to kill i'm a um that that's it yeah and and but everything else outside of that is like i've got to learn how to do this
1: yeah <laughs> i learn how to become a a spy who can infiltrate governments but yeah you 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 start to see this kind of very action heavy genre and and because it's so focused on the action and not about the characters like like jack ryan's interesting one because like we've seen so many jack ryan's post uh i always
0: forget chris Chris pine was a jack ryan
1: do you forget about ben affleck being a a jack ryan no i like i actually like that movie I, i like some of all fears Cause that, cause that's what's interesting really, that of like the, the comparison piece between some of all fears and born identity where they both come out at the same time. Some of all fears is a con- kind of a continuation of a series, but doesn't really continue. But born identity, which makes, they make about the same amount of money somehow inspire, like inspires a whole new franchise and kind of makes Matt Damon an action star mm-hmm. uh, after that. And that's our segue to born identity. Uh, but yeah, like born, we look at born identity and some of all fears and kind of this like uh, early two thousands, you're looking at a, a post nine 11 world and the born identity is kind of a good example of the spy movie, at least in American cinema of that post nine 11 world where it's taking the international glamor of the bond series and the action of a mission impossible series as well and combining them. But then you're, you're, you're also adding a little bit. It's, it's a little bit, the Hitchcock thing of like, he is a spy, but he doesn't know he's a spy. And he doesn't really
0: want to be, but he, he doesn't can't want help
1: to it. be. Yeah. Cause he's just like, Oh, like who am I? And it's this idea of identity. So the entire kind of series with Jason Bourne, at least the first three is like finding out who I am. But then also like, again, he's, being used to cover up stuff that higher ups messed up on with mm-hmm. Treadstone and all this. like they're like the whole idea of like born identity one and then kind of two is like we gotta kill Jason Bourne because we don't want people to find out what we did in our operations so mm-hmm. born identity I've kind of covered it but what's born identity about Thomas
0: yeah so born identity is based on a series of Robert Ludlum novels which were written in the 80s um, yeah. but but like you said I think kind of riding off of that wave of like 70s paranoia about the government uh it fit very well into a post 9-11 world where people were starting to go after this the the dust had settled people were starting to go like should we have seen this coming who messed this up yeah like uh and so it's about a, a man who kind of wakes up with amnesia and discovers that he is physically he has this physical memory of how to kill people like yeah. he, he has no idea who he is but he he definitely has been trained to murder people and and starts following this thread this this strand of clues to find out that he is a very elite government assassin from a very secret program that has now been discontinued and they are trying to eliminate everyone who is part of that program and uh became a a a trilogy of films uh there were some other ones too but uh, an incredible like a like a perfect flawless trilogy of movies for sure um about about getting out you know so many of these movies are about being drawn in we've talked about that about whether if you're an advertiser or if you're an analyst at the cia so many of them are about like learning the life and this is about trying to stop yeah yeah i know how to kill people I'm too good at it. I don't like how good at it I am, and I just yeah. want out. But no one will leave me alone. Yeah. And um, Damon's fantastic in it. Um, he is. Yeah. And and it's just it's so well done. It's it's a movie that visually changed American cinema for better or for worse. Yeah, you can argue that. You can argue that. <laughs> we're we're still kind of shaking off. You know, this movie came out in 2004. No, wait, 2002. 2002. 2002. Yeah. yeah, and we're still kind of shaking off the effects it had on how to shoot, how to choreograph and shoot a fight scene.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, like you get like Born Identity isn't that much like that because it was di- directed by Doug Lyman. but then Born Supremacy comes in, you're just like, look, we're going to turn this up to eleven, and just and that's we're like, and then and then Ultimatum's like, no, 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 we're you thought that was eleven, this is really eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, just gets it's, it's cra- like, it just gets shakier and shakier in terms incredibly of
0: well choreographed fight scenes yeah. but then shot and edited in a way that you can't tell and that's i mean yeah. that's part of the reason that john wick blew up as much as it did was because yeah. it was like wow i can see the choreography that people are doing right now yeah um, I, I, I
1: remember we had a I had an editing professor who was just like yeah the born series is all sizzle no steak because <laughs> the editing is so fast and it looks great but you're not really seeing everything around it. Yeah. So that's not to take away from the born series. I think it's a really fantastic
0: yeah, series. Yeah. I mean there's there's some incredible the the shot. I think it's supremacy when he jumps off the roof and through the, the three. That's ultimate. That's three. That's oh, ultimatum. Man. Was that Oscar Isaac he was fighting Oscar Isaac's in I uh, Oscar Isaac I
1: thought it was in Born Legacy oh yeah he is in legacy wait he's like carl urban there's somebody like that well, ended up being Cl- 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 clive owens in the first one yeah carl urban is in the second one i just rewatched those two the, like see. the like
0: big bad and everyone always ended up being someone who got famous like later on I feel o- like. oscar oscar isaac
1: was four um i'm look well, edgar edgar ramirez was yeah. an assassin in the third one
0: yeah uh, yeah and man, Daniel, great and cast Daniel, in those Daniel. movies the, the bad guys in those movies are always fantastic not even that so
1: I was I watched uh, uh, Identity and Supremacy last night uh walton goggins pops up in born identity as one of chris cooper's dudes who works at cia with him and i was like yeah. oh walton goggins and then in born supremacy michelle monaghan is one of joan allen's people and her like group of like group of cia operatives You're
0: like oh michelle monaghan yeah one of two the two greatest american spy franchises she's in she's in both she's now. in
1: both and I, I didn't know she was in born supremacy and i was like oh she's gonna have a i, I didn't know she's gonna have a big part in this movie and guess what she doesn't she's just there
0: yeah they just gave the big part to julia styles <laughs> well she,
1: and early 2000s julia styles was like kind of like yeah i, that I that just moment. remember yeah. by the
0: time by the time the third one came out it was like oh julia styles is still here like she was huge when the first one came out i know yeah just, <laughs> like sorry, after, the,
1: after, after the first one you're getting like or or like yeah like save the last dance is oh one ten things ahead. like she's big and like oh i could see this transition from like teen star to action star and then it feels like I, again, I haven't, I haven't seen Jason Bourne the, the, the fourth or fifth one, however you want to say it? Uh, and I haven't rewatched Born Ultimate, but yeah, it feels kind of like, oh, we have to put her in here, but we don't know how to put her in here. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, she's weirdly besides Matt Damon, the one continuation. Yeah. Of the entire series. She's, really she's just like,
0: she's just like tie to.
1: Yeah. Well, she Girl. was like, I think, in, I think pre born identity, like she was like, not his contact, but like she was like she was in his group of people in Paris. It's, it's
0: really interesting. There there's there's like some history with them that they don't really they, they kind of leave mysterious. Like were they yeah. a couple at some point? Like why is she so why is he so drawn to her and why is she so yeah. drawn to him? It's really well done. I I love these movies. I uh have watched all of them many times and, and I think it it does bring something really unique to the genre in that we've yeah. got so many of these movies that like i said are like i don't want to be a part of this but i'm gonna have to be i'm gonna have to man up and and, and do my duty for my country and this one yeah. is just like no i am out you guys are twisted <laughs> i'm out of this yeah. but and i don't want to kill anybody anymore but i can and i will until you let me go <laughs> and damon's incredible yeah. the supporting cast is always great the action scene the car chases yeah. are amazing. Um it's, yeah, it's just great set pieces but also a really good plot and and the twists and turns, uh, you know, a little bit more I think than the the Bond franchise was. You know, it's somewhere between a Bond and a John le Car. It, It's it's like yeah. there's a lot. It's very intricate like who at Treadstone, like who at the CIA was involved in Treadstone, like who's who's bad at the CIA, who's good at the CIA. What was his past? There's there's so much like double and triple crossing going on. Uh, I think it accidentally combines both aspects of like a really good action movie and a really intricate spy movie.
4: Okay. Who has a safety deposit box full of money and six passports and a gun? Who has a bank account number in their hip? I come in here. And the first thing I'm doing is I'm catching the sight lines and looking for an exit.
3: I see the
2: exit sign, too. I'm not worried. I mean, you were shot. People do all kinds of weird and amazing stuff when they're scared. I can tell
4: you the license plate numbers of all six cars outside. I can tell you that our waitress is left-handed, and the guy sitting up at the counter weighs 215 pounds and knows how to handle himself. I know the best place to look for a gun is the cab of the gray truck outside. And at this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why would I know that?
1: How can I know that and not know who I am? We'll move on as we get into the 2010s. Briefly, we, we, we covered a lot of it with, with the spy who came from the cult, but I want to mention it, of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy... 2010s, you have a little bit of like a, I won't say a, I will say you have a resurgence of the spy movie, Mm. and the I think the the you're looking at the revamp of the Bond franchise, the the success of the Bourne franchise, and so people are looking back to other things to do. So you're, I mean, even
0: I would I would say uh, Zero Dark Thirty I think is is a military movie but definitely yeah. an espionage espionage t- movie. Yeah, type yeah. of film and very obvious that getting into the 2010s the american spy films are still very much hung up on 9-11 yeah, <laughs> especially at so. zero dark 30 very much
1: so but like, you're in kind of the revamp of mission impossible um wow but wow wow
0: just like who would have thought you know <laughs> you know I, w- I love the third one but the third one was just like public interest in it kind of died off and i remember when four uh, was coming out i was like i i was like i loved mission impossible three let's see what let's see what's gonna happen with four and then it's just like boom four was the one where i was
1: just like i remember what came out because i wasn't a huge fan of of two or three
0: um two two we can pretend didn't happen
1: (laughs) Uh, i have a friend who or there's someone who listened to this podcast and be very upset by that comment um but four i remember just like cool tom cruise did a mission impossible movie and then everyone was saying like this is the best one and i was like it's the fourth movie how is this the best one
0: yeah and well, it, it kind just of- it turned into four was when they went we know why you're here you're here because you think tom cruise is crazy and you <laughs> want to see him and some huge set pieces and that's yeah it like 3 was still trying to cling to like a plot and like an emotional arc for Ethan and all this stuff and 4 was just like no that's not why you're here. <laughs> you're here well that's that's when Tom
1: Cruise career entire shifts of mm-hmm. like you're here for Tom Cruise to do crazy stuff let's do it in every movie uh like it just be, he, every movie becomes an action movie with Tom Cruise except maybe American Made. Uh yeah, but Ghost Protocol I definitely I it it surprisingly allowed crews to have like, I don't know if it's to be a second life or a third life, but like it definitely, it it's a resurgence and definitely pushes career, but we're not here to talk about mission impossible. We'll talk about that (laughs) later in the later in the series, the season, the year or the month when we talk about mission impossible fallout, we'll talk about mission impossible series. We're keeping a
0: mystery because we're, we're we're espionage. We're keeping it close to the chest,
1: but Tinker Tiger soldier spy comes out in 2011 and becomes like a critical, critical success and a financial success stacked cast insane Uh, cast
0: insane it's just like hey get me that british act male actor who's who's kind (laughs) of who's kind of big right now but like
1: it's 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 in the middle of the cold war uh gary Eldman plays george smiley who is forced out of kind of retirement to uncover a soviet mole within his uh his former colleagues uh because his the control his boss this name of his boss control uh has recently passed away and so it's he's trying to figure out who is the mole in the house? And what's so weird? Uh, I said this to Thomas before we started the show of like how in a lot of these movies they use interesting terminology to describe like who they are. So it's like uh, we have to get the family in order, or get your house in order. Oh, you have a community. Your community is hidden within the CIA. Like if they use these very like like just family terms to like mm-hmm. describe the cia or whatever service they're in but yeah tinker Tailor soldier spy it's a very slow movie a very complicated movie and it definitely is is a john le carre story uh but it doesn't really matter what what's about because just the acting's so good uh <laughs> Gar- gary oldman colin firth tom hardy mark strong benedict cumberbatch toby jones john hurt uh it's just it's a crazy cast currently streaming on netflix i really enjoyed it but it is definitely a movie that if you're not paying attention uh you will be lost but it is is a full of twists and turns beautifully shot uh but yeah i won't spend too much on time because we talked about that with spy who came in from the cold check it out
2: it does mean you're rather well placed to look into this matter for us now doesn't it outside the family I'm retired, Oliver. You fired me. The thing is, some time ago, before Control died, he came to me with a similar suggestion. That there is a mole. He, he never mentioned his suspicions to you? No. Oh, I just thought it was just you were his man, so to speak. What did you say to him? Well, I'm afraid I thought his paranoia had rather got the better of him. He's going to put his whole house down. That bloody mess in Budapest. Damn it, George! It's your generation, your legacy.
1: Okay, now the last film we're going to talk about, and I'm going to let Thomas take over here. Thomas, what is the Man from Uncle about?
0: The Man from Uncle <laughs> is a fantastic remake. <laughs> Of a 1960s television series one of the main inspirations for get smart um but it was the an idea it was a tv show in the 60s about the american secret service the, the cia and the kgb forming an alliance during the cold war to fight common enemies yeah. um you know it's this idea that like we're both obviously fighting each other we obviously know have so many spies seeing what each other is up to. We need to devote some people to like what the rest of the world is up to. So why don't we team up to do that? Um so it was it's um uh Ilya Kuryakin is a KGB agent and um oh what's his first name? I know his last name Solo, but
1: uh, <laughs> Han <no>. <laughs> Solo. <laughs> uh
0: but it's a CIA agent and a an American CIA agent and a Russian spy who are forced together to to work together and in the movie that's played by um played by Henry Cavill as Solo and uh Armie Hammer as Ilya Kuryakin, and um they end up in the, within the movie they're tracking down a lost Nazi spy a, not, a lost Nazi scientist mm-hmm. um who has been captured by some sort of terrorist group they're not really sure but he's he's working for some sort of terrorist group and they need to track him down and they need to find him and so they enlist his daughter if that sounds uh if that sounds familiar to you it's kind of the plot of notorious i like to i like to think (laughs) of it as an homage um but they enlist his daughter against her will to find help find her father and uh, they promise her she's She's stuck in in uh, communist occupied uh, Berlin, and they tell her that they'll they'll sneak her through the Iron Curtain if she yeah, cooperates yeah. with them. And it's just a it's it's fun. It's like a it's very comedic. There's the like opposites attract of all three of them just going around constantly. Like Solo is very much a American uh, version of James Bond. He like used to be a professional thief until he was recruited by the CIA and he's always got his suits on. And Kuryakin is like not charismatic at all. He's just like, I'm about beating people up, beating people to death with my fists and that's it. <laughs> he's got a terrible temper. He's not very good undercover. And then you've got um, uh, Gabby, who's the character played by Alicia Vikander, who doesn't really like either of them. Um, but is forced to pretend to be Kuryakin's um, fiance to go undercover in Italy. I I loved this movie when it came out. I thought it was fantastic, and it was right before people had really like Cavill. You can obviously see the studio thinking like Henry Cavill's going to be huge. He had just yeah, done yeah, Man yeah. of Steel. They're like he's going to be big. Army Hammer. Every, it's like a couple of years off of um, Social Network, but everyone's yeah. still trying to figure out where he fits in. And I think this movie hit it. Like, we're starting to see now the outside of Superman, and um, Henry Cavill was like very poorly cast in Superman. No offense. <laughs> but, like, I think he's a great actor, but he, when he's playing someone like this, I think he and Army Hammer are both incredible, but they both have to be playing assholes. And everyone was <laughs> trying to cast them as like Superman and the Lone Ranger and these like pure heroes. Lead action um, star. Yeah. Yeah. But here they're both just quippy and sarcastic and Alicia Vikander plays incredibly with both of them and this is right before she blew up um, it was post ex machina but pre Oscar win and so just the fact that the the end of this movie sets it up for a sequel and they passed and let all these people out of their contracts I think is one of the greatest blunders in like st- film studio history like two years later like one of them has an Oscar one of them's in like a huge prestige pick Uh, and henry cavill's like still superman but also like just become like a nerd king Um, (laughs) uh during quarantine yeah but yeah i i it's so much fun guy Ritchie directed it i think it's it's one of his most like richie-esque movies in a while like he he, it's just cool it's it's very stylish the it's set to this like 60s like jazz Mm -hmm. soundtrack like the score is just like, like jazz flute <laughs> and he, he, he invokes a lot of like 60s style, um, yeah, like split swing, screen. One, yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the, the style, yeah, the physical style itself is, too, but like, yeah, he does it, does, does a lot of stuff in split screen, which was very big in the sixties. Um, I, I, I recommend this movie to everybody. Anytime somebody's like, Oh, I like action movies. I'm like, please this watch a man from <laughs> uncle. You will have a blast. But yeah, and I, I think it 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 starts to bring back the fun, like the campiness yeah. of what we got that. in the '60s, and and you know those move those those like the early James Bond and the TV shows maybe weren't intentionally campy, but like looking back now, we can see what a mark that left on the spy genre, and I think yeah. it had gotten forgotten, it had become forgotten in the especially in the Jason Bourne era, yeah, and and as we will talk about in a few weeks on our james bond episode <laughs> the james bond franchise has forgotten that as well and really needs to find that again i think this
1: is the uh, first time to- this is the most we've like in the first episode well we're gonna get to that later in yeah. this other yeah, episode well,
0: i mean, I, I mean you, you know james Bond is the touchstone like yeah it, he's he's the constant that you can judge everything else against in this genre because he's still around that's why
1: i felt like we had to use that as the last episode just because like we're gonna reference it throughout, so we're kind of seeing everything that's kind of happening around James Bond, and then James Bond's gonna be our final thing. Yeah, I think in mm-hmm. 2010s you got a little bit of the throwback of everything with a John Le Carre with Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy to the old TV shows with Man from Uncle and Mission Impossible revamps, and you're seeing a lot of that happening.
0: Mm-hmm. But I, I think what the Man from Uncle really uh, benefits from, as far as we've been talking so much about the the influences of the genre is it benefits from being able to look back on the cold war because, you know, we're quote unquote, not in a cold war with Russia anymore. No, not not at all. There's no, there's
1: no secret agents in America,
0: but, uh, but it benefits from being able to look back on the cold war and be like, that was kind of silly. Like, <laughs> uh there's there's something you could look back and laugh at the way that we these two superpowers just like pretended not to fight each other but actually fought each other for years and years and years um but it 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 has fun with it and uh it, it brings back a lot of that charm of the early
3: like campy stuff evening comrade you're not supposed to be making contact in public you're being followed
2: I know two men from Hotel Lobby, mid-thirties. One in brown suit, other in leather jacket. Which is why you should leave.
3: They diverted when you turned down the steps, so I imagine they'll be waiting ahead for you. I will handle them. Handle? Mm. Just to avoid any confusion, you do mean giving your wallet and act scared. Scared.
0: What's going on?
3: You're being tested. Someone is trying to make sure that your fiance is really an architect. And not someone who's trained how to fight. KGB agent, for example. You are not needed here. I think you should do as he says. And remember, take it like a pussy. This is not the Russian way.
1: We've covered a lot of the genre today. So genre tropes, real quick. A lot of the spy romance. We haven't really fully talked about that in depth, but there's always kind of romantic plotline through a lot of these films. We did discuss even in like the spy who came in from the cold, there's a little bit of romantic sites or romantic sp- subplot betrayal, international locales, paranoia, which comes after the seventies. Betrayal is,
0: is hard to hit on because I, we we're trying not to give away spoilers on, the, yeah, on that's this. The like thing. on this broad episode, we try not to give away spoilers on, on the in-depth episodes we do, but like almost all these movies we've <laughs> talked about have, has involved a like turn at some point of a major yeah. character who ends up being a double agent. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like oh we'll discuss that
1: uh yeah uh internet like locales international locales question like that's also a big point a man from uncle just like beautiful mm-hmm. scenery in that yeah.
0: film There's so much of just like italy and like yeah. riding a boat around italy and driving a, uh, a sports car in italy and wearing suits and
1: a lot of questioning you're citing your purpose the wrong man but uh real quick because we don't have too much time why do you think TV has become a good spot for this genre? Cause that's where a lot of this is going. It feels like with like the Americans, Jack Ryan, again, the night manager.
0: I think it, I think it makes sense, especially when you look at uh, the series that we will, we, that shall be discussed in, in, in three <laughs> weeks it's it's i mean it's essentially a tv show spread across 50 years 50 years it's it's the same guy like we we know this guy and there's a little bit of character development thrown in every once in a while but for the most part it's like here's this guy that you know with his friends that you know and he's going on an adventure and maybe this friend will show up maybe felix Leiter will show up you don't or you know maybe not this episode maybe someone maybe money penny will show up i mean that that's a television show yeah um and so, you know, with Jack Ryan, they tried to do that in the in the 90s, it just got a little spread out, and you know, you had Harrison Ford for a couple and then there's Ben Affleck and here's Chris Pine, but it just makes more sense. Especially with there's so you know, this genre is is split across in in its literary um in its literary inspirations, a lot of them are these books. Like I talked about some of these ones that I read that I really love. It's mm-hmm. it's not about changing the character it's about what is this case he's getting into this time you know who gabriel alone is you know what he does yeah yeah. what's the case about this time and that lends itself much more to television like you have a very steady lead character and how do you what are you going to throw at him this week and and you know i'm sure in the 90s if someone could have gotten harrison ford into a contract to do jack ryan as a television show they would have loved to but like that's that's being able to have the same actor especially yeah and keep them around for it is, is a huge draw and um and you're also starting to see adaptation these these mini series adaptations of john lecari which goes to show like even if you don't yeah. have a book series in these more dense pieces maybe it's better you know maybe part of the reason pe- some people get confused in tinker taylor soldier Spy is you really didn't have enough time to explore in two and a half hours all yeah. the intricacies of this book so then you get something like the, ma- the night manager which lets you dive so much deeper into all the different loyalties and who's double crossing who yeah uh, over six episodes than over two and a half hours
1: yeah uh real quick before we go stats i'm gonna read them off so you don't, you don't have to guess right now thomas because we're we're in a time crunch well and i
0: also have one more one more tv th- shout out okay go uh, ahead. anthony horowitz is about to the uh, Amazon is about to adapt his uh, Alex Ryder book series into a television show um, which is basically teen James Bond and he's actually now uh, after writing those books has become the the writer the ghostwriter for Ian Fleming's estate he now writes James Bond novels but um uh, but yeah it's continuing obviously Amazon saw something in Jack Ryan but, you know they're getting the numbers yeah. back cuz they bought into that now as well too so i think i think we're going to see a lot more television as we go forward i agree especially
1: after after everything uh everything's going streaming and ever and elsewhere uh stats real quick uh most popular film you can question these if you like uh (laughs) captain america winter soldier yeah basically three days of
0: the condor heavily inspired by three days of the condor Uh, openly admitted by the russo brothers
1: yeah uh the kingsman secret service oh yeah second second most popular i really
0: enjoy those movies those are fun those those are another ones along with uncle that are like bringing back the campiness of it very yeah, much
1: i agree especially the old bond films uh and number three skyfall yeah and most popular nice least popular a movie called dimension five <laughs> let me read you this plot line an american intelligence agent aided by a chinese american female agent uses a time travel belt to thwart Chinese operatives who are attempting to import Los Angeles, the materials to make an atomic bomb seen by 78 people on Letterboxd. box. Right. Um,
0: you 78 people let us know how it was.
1: <laughs> I know someone who's watched it and they and apparently really liked it. Highest rated films. Top three North by Northwest. Number one. Nice. Tied for number one, the lives of others.
0: Hmm. I've really, really enjoyed the lives of others. I um That's incredible. It's really well done. And then number three, notorious, Wow. That's a stacked top three. But congrats right. to the lives of others for like getting in there. That's a fairly recent, fairly recent movie. And now
1: and not as talked about. Um Lois film, The Avengers, starring Uma Thurman.
0: I've seen that. I've seen that movie. I got it at Blockbuster. <laughs> Ray Finds, right? And, yeah, Ray and Fiennes. Sean Sean Connery wears Sean a teddy bear Con- not, suit. Not yeah, Sean Connery Ray Finds. Sean Connery wears a teddy bear suit and tries to control the weather. Um uh, that's another one that that was adapted from a was adapted from a 1960s tv show and tried to bring the campiness back and it was just too leaned way too hard into it just didn't work uh
1: biggest years uh 2011 and 2015 the biggest years for spy movies out of the list we have huh? like 2011 you got uh, hannah or hannah john english reborn tinker Tailor soldier <laughs> spy haywire was, was it hannah or hannah
0: no i was just laughing at johnny english report yeah
1: yeah, yeah. uh uh haywire mission impossible ghost protocol 2015 is spy mission impossible rogue nation man from uncle bridge of spies and inspector and then real quick uh last mentions anything that we didn't mention that you want to give a shout out to that people should watch
0: uh, I mean, I definitely want to keep shouting out Man From U.N.C.L.E. Um, <laughs> if you if you if you enjoy spy parodies, there's a couple really fun, like especially since we talked about the wrong man. Um, the Man Who Knew Too Little is a really fun, like wrong man parody with Bill Murray. Um, the Man With One Red Shoe is pretty much the exact same thing, but with Tom Hanks. Uh, both of those really can't be really dumb, but but a good time on both of them to to, to just put a very charismatic comedic actor into mm-hmm. a like full-on spy situation and play it let them play it for laughs while everyone else is playing it seriously is is a formula that i just enjoy i don't know and spy does yeah. the same thing And i actually really enjoyed spy um spy a lot of fun it's melissa mccarthy in the same situation she's dropped into like a spy uh situation and jason statham plays like a like a really dumbed down version of himself his like <laughs> own on film Per, like character persona. yeah yeah yeah, persona, yeah it's 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 really fun i've seen i've watched that one a few times i think it's i think it might be uh paul feig's like best of his recent work Ooh,
1: bold statement uh, i mean
0: that, that like like bridesmaids aside like that's obviously but like uh, since then
1: i i got you uh i'll throw out an older one i'll throw out uh 39 steps by hitchcock because
0: it's amazing. okay yeah okay we're great yeah I, <laughs> I say i say the man who knew too little and you say 39 steps okay great
1: well, 39 steps currently streaming on Amazon Prime Criterion Channel, Hoopla and HBO Max, so kind of everywhere.
0: Yeah, you have uh, no reason not to watch it. The, um the man who knew too much is on HBO Max too, I believe the earlier the the, early the first one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good print. I, I that was one I tried to watch a lot when I was younger and it was very tough to find a good print of that. They did a um, good job with it. I still I still prefer the remake, but um but worth watching especially for Peter Laurie hmm
1: also I'll, since you threw some of those out i'll throw a lesser known one that i like not everyone does uh allied i really liked allied by zemeckis about like
0: world war ii spies okay okay you know one more here we go here we go speaking <laughs> speaking of angelina jolie when i was like 15 i rented the good shepherd and i uh-huh. hated it hated it that's not like, on this list i gotta add that to this list like took it back to blockbuster and was like don't let anyone else watch this um but but was urged recently to go back and rewatch it and it's, it's very john lecari and i just i was not prepared for it as a 15 year old i, but, I, um, I, I, I it's also
1: a, hated it when i was 15 so I, yeah, I might re- it's, a, it's a
0: fictionalized it. version of the founding of the cia and uh, like i didn't i didn't even know what the bay of pigs was the first time i watched it and so they're like it's gone bad in cuba and i was like what went bad in cuba um <laughs> but uh it's actually pretty it's it's not fantastic but it is if you like the like dry john Carre type stuff mm-hmm. i think it is a good american attempt to make something like that set in That's america cool. and set in the cia
1: and directed by robert de niro
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and then uh last thing i swear it's the last thing where should they start at if they want to dive into the spy genre where that where should they start at
0: man from uncle <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say James Bond yet because we will talk about James Bond, but uh, you know, I, it is, it is a good place to start. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, born, I, I highly recommend the born trilogy to see, I think it watch some of the earlier like sixties campy stuff. And then yeah, I yeah. think it's incredible to watch the, uh, the how steadfast the British version of it was for a very long time until the Americans came in in like the 2000s and was like we're gonna make this about us now and it just dominated like post post 9 11 spy yeah genre dominated for almost two decades um it's yeah it's, it's a really interesting genre to look at as far as like the way that pop culture and and, and historical events influenced it but um yeah try a couple james bonds out try john Lacari. if you're if you're not getting into the movies. Try um try the night manager or, or little drummer girl because i think they're a little bit easier to digest in pieces and then which one to watch notorious or north by northwest first uh watch notorious first okay but north by northwest watch before you do all the light like, campy stuff because i think yeah. that's the beginning of the the spy camp era. i
1: agree i agree uh, that's it for our our intro episode in the spy genre guys uh the next few weeks next week we're doing the conversation we're going to talk about that directed by Francis for Coppola, starring Gene Hackman, not a spy but definitely deals with the paranoia and kind of the things we talked about today uh in the spy genre. And then we're doing Mission Impossible Fallout, and then finally in the last episode of the month, the James Bond franchise, the one we've been talking about the entire time
0: but never actually referencing any specific movie. I love, <laughs> I love that we get to bring Henry Cavill on twice. Not not on oh, like not, a guest, not on yeah. like a guest, but like bring him up twice. A Henry Cavill if you're fan. listening,
1: come on out. We'll talk about we'll talk about The Witcher. Honestly, have to, yeah, have yeah. to Take, watch take it. a
0: break from painting your Warhammer <laughs> figures. Not that that sounded like sarcastic when I said it, but just respect. Like just <laughs> just <laughs> just hold off on them for a little bit and come on our podcast
1: anyway guys thank you so much for listening make sure you like us on facebook twitter instagram uh follow our stuff on medium make sure you give us a rating or review on apple Podcasts. you can find us on apple podcast uh spotify stitcher or anywhere you find your podcast yeah i think that's all we have thomas as always thank you so much for coming out and talking about the spy movies it's gonna be a fun a fun month of spy stuff
0: yeah man all the all the weird spy history and reference books i've read as a kid are finally paying off so here we go all right guys thank you so much for listening we hope you listen to more episodes soon bye